Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Today is Monday, July 13, 2020. On this day in 2003, French intelligence operatives aborted a mission to rescue French-Colombian politician Ingrid Betancourt from FARC rebels in Colombia. The failed operation resulted in an international political scandal, but it did nothing to help Ingrid Betancourt, who would remain captive for another five years. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Today, we're covering the messy, ineffective 2003 French rescue mission aimed at recovering political prisoner Ingrid Betancourt. Now, let's go back to July 13, 2003. Pierre-Henri Guignard stood in the Manaus-Brazil airfield, looking up at the imposing C-130 Hercules. Not a particularly triumphant moment. He'd hoped to be standing here with more than the 11 intelligence agents bustling around him, readying for the return to France. He'd hoped to be standing here with Ingrid Betancourt. Betancourt had been kidnapped by the Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia over a year ago. These Marxist rebels, known as FARC, nominally stood for the redistribution of Colombian land, but they were now better known for their kidnappings and ongoing violent conflict with both Colombia's drug cartels and government. Betancourt was a Colombian politician who, like the FARC, wanted massive political change. She called her political party the Oxygen Green Party, and she was determined to clean up the corruption and violence that plagued her country. But unfortunately, that extended from the cartel's political influence to the FARC. A year in the hands of her enemies had not treated her well. At the beginning of the month, Betancourt's family had received word from a man claiming to be a FARC messenger. Betancourt was sick, and the FARC were potentially open to releasing her as a result. That's where the French came into the story. On July 8th, Betancourt's family had reached out to Dominique de Villepin, the French Minister of Foreign Affairs. As they scrambled to follow the FARC's instructions and get to Laetitia, Colombia, a small Amazon town near the Brazilian border, they'd asked for Villepon's help ensuring a successful release for Betancourt. Betancourt, who'd been married to a French diplomat for many years, was a French citizen as well as a friend of Villepon, and France had already been working with Colombia to secure her release. This seemed, finally, like a good opportunity to get the job done. But Betancourt's family didn't want to get the Colombian government involved in the operation. They were worried that Colombia would veto any contact with the FARC. And perhaps they were right. So Villepin ordered his senior advisor on Latin America and deputy chief of staff, 
Pierre-Henri Guignard to take action immediately and to do so quietly. Thus began Operation 14 Juillet, meaning July 14th, the French version of Independence Day, otherwise known as Bastille Day. On July 8th, the same day he got the order, Guignard assembled a group of 11 intelligence operatives, including pilots, a doctor, and communications specialists with jungle navigational equipment. He packed them into a C-130 Hercules with medical supplies, and according to some, threw some weapons in as well. The medical supplies would be used to get Betancourt immediate medical attention once she was rescued. The weapons, if they were there, were perhaps intended as a barter for her release. The next day, Guignard and his men landed in Manaus, Brazil. Local officials, curious about the military plane, asked to inspect it. Guignard declined the request, citing diplomatic privileges. The next day, Guignard, a doctor, and two intelligence agents took another flight to a small community called Sao Paulo de Olivenza. Still in Brazil, they were now just across the border from the small Colombian town of Leticia, where the FARC had told Betancourt's family to await further instructions. The quartet of Frenchmen were at the ready to provide medical assistance and perhaps to barter weapons for Betancourt's release. But in Leticia, the silence was deafening. FARC had said nothing since that first message requesting that Betancourt's family come to the Amazon. Perhaps they had changed their minds. Perhaps the original message had been a fake. Or perhaps there was no longer anyone to hand over. Perhaps Betancourt was dead. Coming up, the conclusion of Operación 14 Juillet and the fate of Ingrid Betancourt. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now back to the story. In early July 2003, Ingrid Betancourt's family received word from the Colombian FARC rebels holding her hostage. After a year in their custody, they were willing to release her. The Betancourt's called on France, where Ingrid was a citizen, to help them ensure the release happened. But then the FARC stopped communicating with them. On July 11th, the French rescue team returned from the Amazonian border town of Sao Paulo de Olivencia to Manaus and waited a few more days, but still silence. On July 13th, they called off the mission, boarded their plane and flew back to France just in time for Bastille Day, the French celebration of freedom from monarchy. No such freedom for Ingrid Betancourt, who would remain in FARC hands for another five years. But the French didn't quite hop out of the failed mission and into a party. The French Minister of Foreign Affairs who had ordered the trip, Dominique de Villepin, saw some significant backlash for Operation 14 Juillet. 
On July 19th, Brazilian weekly magazine Carta Capital broke the story of a French military aircraft that landed in Manaus on July 9th and then left on July 13th and illustrated the story with a photograph of the plane. The magazine reported that Brazilian police requests for more information on the aircraft, its passengers, and its cargo had been rebuffed with claims of diplomatic immunity. They'd uncovered that the plane was there for the purpose of a rescue mission involving Betancourt. And then, quoting the suspicions of senior government officials, the article went on to suggest that hidden on the craft were arms meant to be exchanged for Betancourt's freedom. These were scandalous accusations, if the Brazilian government hadn't been consulted. After all, the entirety of the French rescue mission, or rather attempted rescue mission, had occurred on Brazilian soil. Apparently, Brazil hadn't been informed. In fact, on Thursday, July 31st, the Brazilian deputy foreign minister accused French Minister of Foreign Affairs, Dominique Duvillepin, of giving Brazil false information. One Brazilian deputy even demanded the expulsion of French diplomats, saying they would do better not to treat us like one of their African colonies. It was not a good look, and France's awkward ineptitude, if not arrogance or even bad will, was only compounded by the apparent miscommunication plaguing its own government. When asked about the mission as the story broke, French President Jacques Chirac said it hadn't happened. He explained, this kind of operation would not have happened without me being informed, and I was not informed. But Chirac was shortly thereafter furious to learn it did happen without him being informed. Villepin had failed to inform his boss of his rescue mission, and according to the speculation of Brazilian officials, his plans to negotiate with the FARC using an arms exchange as well. Villepin and the French government did continue to assert that they hadn't done any direct negotiating with the FARC and had simply gone to the Amazon to aid with Betancourt's extrication. But the Brazilian government and the Colombian government, too, were furious. Whether or not France was secretly negotiating with one of the world's most dangerous rebel organizations, it was certainly failing to keep Brazil and Colombia in the loop about its presence in the Amazon. More confusion and accusations were flung across the Atlantic when FARC announced that it had never considered liberating Betancourt without directly negotiating with Colombian authorities she would be released only in exchange for the release of FARC members being held by the Colombian military. Perhaps the FARC was lying, or perhaps the original message had been a fake. As far as Betancourt's family was concerned, at least it seemed Betancourt was alive. But one thing was clear. Ingrid Betancourt was not getting rescued, and France was swimming in the hot waters of international scandal. On the France end, things cooled down when Villepin made a formal written apology to his Brazilian counterpart, Celso Amorim, who accepted. But for Ingrid Betancourt, the trials were just beginning. Her captivity lasted over six years. Finally, after endless negotiations involving FARC, Colombia, and France, and several escape attempts on her end, 
she was rescued on July 2, 2008. France was not involved with the rescue. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more stories of civic intrigue and bureaucratic blunders, check out ParCast Original Political Scandals. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Mike Ramos, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Joshua Kern. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Nora Battelle. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 